I'm talking to a high school student at an Australian selective school. Hello. Hi. How's your day been? Um, a little busier than I like my weekends, but you know. She's interested in the arts and diverse yeah. representation in the media. But I'll let her introduce herself. Okay, um, my name is Catherine and I'm in year 10. Mm-hmm. And what are you studying at the moment? Well, sadly we don't have a huge amount of freedom with our subjects yet, but I have chosen history, music, and art. Nice. And so what sort of music do you like? Um, I'd say I have a fairly wide range of musical interests, but I am very much into, like, the mid-2000s alternative scene. Mm-hmm. Cool. And if we're thinking about school again, what's the most frustrating thing about school? Hmm. Well, I'd say there are a fair few frustrating things, but... I think a lot of it is the competitiveness and the pressure. Like, being at a selective school is very much a... It's an intense environment sometimes, because, like, the um, other students are going to be competitive about test scores and be comparing them all the time, and the teachers are going to be like, study, 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 and it's just... For someone like me who is kind of having some troubles with procrastination, I don't know, it's a bit of a crazy environment sometimes. Yeah, wow, that sounds a lot lot to deal with. So if you were to think of your ideal way of learning and study and growing, what would it be? Um, See, I don't think I would put myself in charge of something like that because then it would just be, like, too chaotic and and too structureless. But I guess I would prefer something with a little more emphasis on, like, personal, um, personal, oh, what's the word, um, like, talents and affinities, I guess. Everyone at my school is, like, they're, they're like, um, the creative and performing arts unit and that is improving. I think it's quite still heavily gravitated towards, like, STEM subjects. Yeah, right. And how do you feel about those subjects? Do you think that's something that is necessary for your future? Well, I wouldn't say mine because all of the career paths I'm thinking about do not really involve math, science, etc. Like, I I admit it's definitely important to learn, like, the basics of all of those things and enough to get you through life and stuff because obviously you're going to need a few aspects of those things. And so what are those career directions you're thinking about that you're interested in? Um, definitely more on the creative side. Like I want to go into possibly, um, like performing arts, like I sing and I've been in a drama class and a drama club for a little while at my school. I quite like, um, writing. So mostly the like humanities and, um, performing things like that. Yeah, very nice. So not dance. I can't dance. (laughs) (laughs) And, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a diversion here. And so imagine you were running the country or the world today. What changes or decisions would you make and why? 
Mm, well, I think I possibly, as a young queer person, am quite far left, so I think it would still definitely affect people some ways that they might not like, but I guess I would try to just make it a bit more safe, like, especially with, like, the gun laws and such. If I was in control of the world, I would definitely tighten those a lot, I think. Um, similar to how we have them in Australia, I would try and even that out across the world and focus a lot more heavily on um, anti-discriminatory laws. Do you feel there's quite a bit of discrimination in the world in general or Australia specifically? I think it's less Australia. I think we're actually doing quite well. But... um, I just sort of, as in general, especially like in certain countries where women still have to marry young and things like that is, is very much something I would be focused on. But yeah, I think the, we're making bigger steps towards anti-discrimination and things, but I think there's still ways to go. And I think another way that that would improve is I think in some places, especially the US again, training the police force a bit further than they are currently being trained. So are you referring to cultural um, prejudice? Yes. When you say diversity or um, prejudice or discrimination, what are you talking about more broadly? Um, Well, I guess I'm thinking about not even specifically minorities, but just groups in general. I think there are a lot of obviously differences between us all, but there are more differences placed on everyone by like stigma and discrimination and lack of representation and stuff like that. So I guess I'm just sort of thinking about when I talk about those sort of things, I'm thinking about how I want unity as a whole and I want it to be quite casual and accepted in general. Yeah. I like this word you just said, unity. That's really important for me as well. So when you say unity, I know we could possibly interpret that in different ways. What do you mean by that? I just mean, like, we're not divided by our, like, the differences we can't make choices about. We shouldn't be separated by the things we're born with. Does that feel different to you from inclusion? Um, There are subtle differences, I'd say, but generally the same sort of idea. Yeah. And so... Yeah, in the conversation we had the other day on the phone, you told me about this interest you have. This is the diversity in modern media? Yes. All right, so it's been um, something I've been passionate about for probably a couple of years now when I sort of started understanding this stuff and sort of getting into what, like, more of what my beliefs were. And I guess diversity in modern media to me is different groups of people and different groups of young people especially, seeing themselves or someone belonging to a similar group or minority, like, in the media and thinking, hey, that's fine. You know, that's sort of like how I am and that's just casually there, sort of. I I guess that's not the quite, sorry, quite way to explain it, but I guess if you were, like, a young teenager who was questioning their sexuality, and sort of had internalized homophobia going on, like, I don't like this aspect of myself. What if it's wrong? I feel dirty. Things like that. 
um, I think seeing like an openly queer character on television, not being ashamed of it and such, um, I think that would help a lot of young people just realize that like that aspect of them isn't something to be ashamed of. And where do you see that at the moment? Do you see any of it or do you feel really big changes have to be made? I think some big changes are being made. I think it's really good to see like even some of the big companies that aren't quite able to do it because censors and such like Disney, they haven't included a lot of rep in the past though. The racial diversity has been like coming along very nicely. Like you notice that in a lot of the more recent films it's set all over the world with so many different diverse characters and that's quite wonderful. And they've always had a good mix of male and female characters, but I'd say in the um, LGBT plus department, um, they're just still putting in small like lines and inclusions and such that could be easily censored by countries that aren't as accepting. Yeah. So that you're saying that there's sort of a political element that's an makes their distribution change, I guess, and it has some ramifications. Mm. However, I think some smaller, less, I guess, completely commercial um, animation studios and such have actually been doing a really good job. Like, I've been watching the reboot of the old cartoon Shira on Netflix, and I have to say it is absolutely wonderful for rep. Like, it has like a really wonderful racially diverse cast of characters. It has a lot of strong female characters in strong roles and it actually has canon LGBT plus representation. It's, it's casual and not made like a big deal out of. Yeah. And how does that make you feel? Um, I just, I get really excited to see how far we've sort of come. Cause like, I, I think I, I look at it and I just see, Two of the characters in this in Shira, they're just wives. They're married, and it's like, oh my god, that is so sweet. That's like close to my heart. Yeah, and I guess it's also then. How do you think it affects society more broadly? Do you think it it facilitates more conversation, or do you think it closes it down? I think it definitely opens more because, like, mm, a lot of cartoons and such that I've heard of from the past like 2000s and before um had sort of made a mockery of like queer characters and such and I think that probably opened up discussion about more stigma a lot of it there's like the 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 queer coding of villains and such and sort of making it seem like those sorts of qualities belong to unsavory people. I was actually thinking also, I wonder what that does to the conversations within your family as well. Mm. I mean, your immediate family or your grandparents or cousins. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just think the way it's portrayed can open up so many conversations and change so many dynamics, whether it be community or family. Like if you have like maybe a family member who's not all too comfortable with discussion of sexuality and they might be really enjoying like a book or a TV show or something that has a canon gay character and they might be able to read them being portrayed as a normal person and just be like, Hey, so maybe that's a bit more normal than I thought. I know it's not that easy, but I think the more we see it, 
the more people will grow up knowing that it's a normal thing. Yeah, I guess that's um, an interesting position for different generations too. I mean, you as a young person now being queer and openly queer within your family and beyond, Mm. how do you think that has changed through the generations? Like that is something that I wouldn't 100% be able to tell you about because I don't, I haven't lived through the older generation's experiences, but I have heard a story of, um, someone older, a family friend who, um, in high school apparently liked someone of the same gender, but sort of repressed that over the years. And I sort of think I, though I can't say I know about how it was back then for people who had those sorts of feelings and couldn't be open about them. I think there's definitely something to be said about how it's improved and how it should have been for them. And how do you think that's informed their lives now that they've been through that and they're probably middle-aged, their view on being queer and and you coming up behind them? I imagine there's, there's an interesting relationship between those two groups maybe without wanting to define them too specifically. So how do you think the older generation can give to nurture the younger generation maybe? Um, I think the thing you just, the thing you need to give to understand the younger generations most importantly is just you you need to give them a platform to speak on. And I think that really does further a lot of the discussion and understanding because if the older generations listen to us and hear our perspectives, though we may not be able to change everything, there's a chance that things can start changing a lot sooner than we thought, I suppose. Yeah. Do you think there is that platform? Do you think there is communication between older and younger generations? I think it, uh, that's not something that can be necessarily said in black and white. I'd say like we have platforms to speak and we're getting more and more of them, but there are still some people who don't want to listen to young people. There are still people like the Greta Thunberg thing. Mm. A lot of people like though she had a platform, a lot of people were still mocking her and refusing to listen to what she had to say. So I guess it's a mixed bag of it really depends on what the older generations are going to think about this platform we get. Yeah, that's an interesting point because I guess even though I think everyone heard her though, right, whether they agreed with her or mocked her or put her down or celebrated her, she was definitely heard across the board. You Mm. couldn't ignore her. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that's it. You know, a difficult conversation sometimes does raise very uncomfortable and almost violent conversations at times. And that's maybe part of it. I I don't think it's necessary, but I think it is part of it seemingly. So how do we get adults and young people communicating more and more openly Um, maybe? I suppose that's not something I've thought about so much and I probably should, shouldn't I? (laughs) No, not at all. It's just, it's part of the conversation. You know, we, we ask each other questions and just opens our minds differently. So how do you, what do you think adults need to remember about being a young person? I think they need to remember that though they do have more life experience, like we still have experiences that are going to be separate to hers. And, sorry, not hers, sorry, theirs. And the world that we're living in is going to be different. So just listen to what we have to say because though it's going to be probably quite different to how you experience things, um, 
lot of things have changed and I think it's very valuable to know a lot of different worldviews. Yeah, so what what are some of the specifics of that? What what is it like being a young person and what should we know? Well, I'm going to start off by saying it is kind of stressful. Um, I think we do get ignored a lot and talked over and dismissed, though that is improving. I think just the one thing I would say to, like, all older generations would be just listen to us. And though you may not agree with everything we say, just put put some value to it because we do have ideas. <laughs> yeah, and how can we get that happening more often where there's a two-way conversation? And I guess my my big question through all of this as we're just talking, I'm thinking is how can we just create more open conversations across any platform, whether it's with young people, with queer people, with, you know, from culturally diverse people, it's... Mm. there seems to be really blocks of thinking, but as a young person, how would you guide adults to be more open? How can they get over themselves in a way? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, things like this really, I think are a really good way to bridge the gap. I think sometimes it's just going to be sitting down and saying, this is what I think, you know, spreading like possibly provocative material about these sorts of debates would definitely encourage that, I think. What do you mean by that? So, well, I think people hearing something like this, like, that is an open conversation between two different generations, um, I'm hoping that could open up similar conversations within the homes of anyone who listens, maybe. Yeah, great. And what about the other way around? What do you want from adults is it, you know, in terms of guidance, leadership or nothing, something completely different? Um, I, I think I think guidance is a good word. I think that's a good place to put it because I think there's definitely a fine line between, you know, not helping us and being a bit too controlling. Because, like, obviously I'm not a parent. I can't tell people how to parent. But I think it's about I, I would – really appreciate for um older people to sort of try their best to find that balance and just don't force us to go in a certain direction just try and steer us the best way to go yeah and what about this word leadership does it mean anything to you i do not have a particular affinity with the word leadership um Leadership to me, I think, has become less about qualification and more just about status sometimes. And since I've never been a particular, I, I, I'm not particularly a leader type person. Um, I guess I've sort of been the person to witness all of this and sort of realize that, hey, I don't necessarily like the direction this is being taken in. So why don't you think you're a leader? Oh, okay. Um, it's just I ugh, am a, quite an anxious person. I can get pretty overwhelmed sometimes. So it's not my ideal, I guess, line of work to be in charge of a bunch of people and responsible for all that and 
yeah, I, I, I just don't know if that's really something I'm cut out for. So if you think of an ideal leader, whether it's one that's actually leading or not, or if it's somebody doesn't have to be someone at the top of politics, but what do you think would be an ideal leader? I mean, it sounds like you don't think that the popularity contest is the ideal. So what would what characteristics should a leader have? Well, I do think that, um, like, the charisma side of it is important, obviously. Like, you don't want someone who's nasty and unsociable, particularly, to be a leader. But um, I think capability needs to be assessed a fair bit more and their ability to sort of get things done and guide other people towards getting things done. Yeah, so maybe having a vision for where everything's going. Yeah. I've always thought the, thought the people who are ambitious and determined and have just a good head on their shoulders would be much more suitable to be a leader than someone who's just popular or someone like me. Do you see anyone like that in the world today, whether it's in your family or at school or in the world in, in popular culture? Um, I have a few friends who are quite good at that, those sorts of things. Um, I've noticed like people within my group, um, some are quite good at knowing what needs to be done. Some are quite good with getting people's favor. Um, others just are pretty down to earth. And I think all of them sort of have those qualities. It sounds like you've got a nice group of friends. Mm, Yeah. Be interesting to be around them. Interesting. That, yeah, that's the right word. <laughs> Challenging at times? <laughs> um, it's just very weird sometimes. I guess that's, um, yeah, sometimes the most pleasant experiences aren't the most, aren't the ones that you grow through the most. Another advice, another piece of advice for adults is don't expect to understand um, our generation's extremely weird sense of humor at first like it may seem like unfunny garbled nonsense um just sort of go with it I reckon and if you enjoy it or you don't you know more power to you and what you do enjoy yeah interesting what's an example like is there something where I would be able to access that um Well, not that I would necessarily recommend this, but there's a lot of examples of, like, popular young people's humour on, like, Reddit. But that is, that that can be a bit of an interesting site sometimes. I think just, um, if you follow any young people on Instagram, like, family members and such, if you maybe have a job around young people like you work at a school or something you'll probably catch on to the occasional popular meme do you think you could share a couple of links from reddit with us yeah i'll I'll, I'll start having a look for some interesting memes yeah that'd be great i'd love to see more and and you know putting them in the podcast would be great so just to sort of head in a different direction i might just ask a few general questions so are you looking forward to growing up I think I'm sort of neutral on this because though there are parts that are definitely I'm looking forward to, like being a little bit more independent and I guess free in what I want to do, there's also like obviously the responsibilities in that which are going to be something that I'm going to have to deal with that's not going to be 
the easiest thing in the world. Um, overall, it seems like a, it's a, it's an experience with pros and cons. So what do you think that you'll do when you get older? Um, I'm hoping to go into the performing arts, possibly even um, in, more in the writing aspect of it. I was thinking about doing some, trying to do some video game, like story design. Yeah, cool. And what about fears about growing up? What's, what are some of the negatives? Um, I'm worried about being a bit more alone. Like, I don't think I'd be able to cope living alone. I think I'm a person who needs company for at least, you know, a fair part of the day, I suppose. Do you think other people think about that too at your age the and the dauntingness of the future? I would definitely imagine that is a common thing to think about, especially with the pressure that comes from schools like mine. Do you mean that it, it forces you to be alone a lot to do a lot of study or something different? Um, not necessarily just I'm like about moving out of home and such. I'm worried I might end up living somewhere alone for a bit and getting quite anxious and lonely, I suppose. Yeah, interesting. And so if you're thinking about the idea of moving into the performing arts, is that something that you heard about from your parents or how did you get interested in that? I've always liked acting. It's it's like one of my little kid dreams. Uh, I guess I started drama lessons a few years back and that sort of got me more seriously thinking about it as a career. I have a really wonderful teacher who has taught me a lot about confidence. Like I'd say I probably wouldn't be doing this here today if she hadn't helped me get my confidence up quite a lot for an acting career. Yeah, that's great. So I guess a lot of adults might say that that's a difficult way to earn a living. Mm -hmm. So how would you respond to that? Uh, Honestly, that's something I'm concerned about as well. But... I think I would definitely have my backups. I would definitely have um, like a side job, just, you know, like a lot of people do. I would do my best to just get somewhere good in like retail or I don't know, even food service if I have to. Just like something to fall back onto until I can find something more profitable if acting doesn't work out for me. And what does define a successful life? I think you need to be happy with what you've achieved as well as comfortable. Cool, yeah. And just a couple of questions to finish off the interview. All right. What advice do you want to give adults today? Um, other than my strange meme advice, um, I think just in summary, it's just realise that we are different and we can't be the exact same as you or perhaps what you want us to be. You know, I know a lot of friends who have parents who want them to follow a specific career path. I think just just give them, give us choices, give us a chance. And I think young people definitely might surprise you with what we can do and how we can support each other and just respect who we are and that we are different to what you might expect. How do you think you can surprise me? Oh, um... Well, you've just surprised me right there. Uh, Can I surprise (laughs) you by being completely speechless? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) And what would you do if you were leading the world? Well, I've talked about the laws and the anti-discrimination and such. 
think if I were leading the world, I would just do my best. And though I know I wouldn't be able to do it with everyone, I would do my best to keep everyone safe. And just happy to be who they are. Beautiful. Yeah, is there anything else you want to add from all of that? Uh, watch Shira on Netflix. I will, I will, definitely. <laughs> that's, that's what I'd like to add to everyone who happens to listen to this. It is very good. Yeah, nice. Katie, thanks so much. It's been so interesting hearing your thoughts. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, great. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. You can find all the episodes of the podcast on your favorite platform. And please hit follow. You'll make us so happy. See you soon. This podcast has been made possible with the help of March Made Media and Leonie Tillman at English for Business.